I have another list of top things of 2023 for you. This is your just most favourite time of the year, isn't it? What's it today? What have we got? Today's is Trade Me's most viewed listings of 2023. Oh, this is going to be a goodie. Go on, hit me with it. Okay. <laughs> Fifth on the list is a kiwi fruit which looked like it had a penis. Jessica <sighs> McCarthy, wash your mouth out. <laughs> Fourth, uh, that was the hat and sunnies that Chris Hipkins wore in his iconic early morning interview when he became Labour leader, where he looked, Love you know, very upper hut, <laughs> to say the least. Third was a phallic radish. I don't know why people love rude food so much, but it's really getting people to look on these trade listings. Uh, second was a rock, which looked like it had a map of New Zealand on it, oh. a bit more wholesome. And thankfully, the first one is seriously wholesome. It's a potato chip with a hole in it that looked like a heart, and that was sold to raise money for Starship Hospital. It seems like New Zealand is just like things that look like other things. I think you're right. Like things that don't look like what they should look like, but instead look like something else. Maybe that's why they like Newsable so much. It's a podcast, but it looks like a friendship. On that note, kia ora, this is Newsable. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. We've got the latest property data hot off the press. So what is the state of the housing market right now, and what's going to happen in 2024? There's an event ban in place on Lake Taupo, and all because of a type of clam. The local mayor joins us to explain. Yesterday we talked beach, today we're talking not beach. Staff's Travel News Director reveals the top tramps and other inland spots you'll want to hit this summer. And we have the iPhone hack you didn't know you needed. In fact, you still might not need it, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. (laughs) We're so helpful. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. It's summer, it's almost Christmas, but it's also open home season because these sunny months are when many of us start to think about buying. And the latest reports from the valuation company QV indicate the housing market is continuing to strengthen throughout this festive season, but... There's always a butter, isn't there? They are warning the recovery could be slow into next year. So to chat about this more, we're joined now by QV's operations manager, James Wilson. Kia ora, James. Thanks for being here. Kia ora, Imogen. How are you? Interested to dig into this. After the drops throughout the year, where have prices ended up? Now, I think flat to moderate is the story. is the theme we've been saying for the last few months. So we really saw sort of that really declining um, value point about six months ago. Then things started to flatten, and we've seen that theme continue throughout um, the election and into the summer months. So, look, uh, overall quarterly growth just over 2%. What does that mean? That means that we've had more competition come back into the market. We've had the first-time buyer group remain really active. Few more investors, few more mums and dads re-entering. Long story short, we've got another month of moderate growth, nothing too hot, but those um, value softening trends have really reversed from this time six months ago. So do we know about like that split of of who is buying? Is it more first-time buyers or is it more investors, mums and dads? Yeah, look, so we're certainly still seeing first-time buyers being one of the most active groups in the market. Um, They remained active when things started to soften because they weren't so impacted by things like interest rates if they had pre-approvals, um, the different policies in the election. So they remained relatively active. And of course, they had less competition, so that was good for them. And many, many bought. Then we saw um, the election get closer. Um, we saw some confidence return. We saw that mindset of, hey, things can't really get that much worse, can they? And so that drew back in 
some investors and also some owner occupiers or your mums and dads sort of um, who were thinking about buying then began to um, to re into the market. So we then saw that play out in the regions first where investors sort of look around the country, where's the affordable stock? Um, and that was in the regions. They started to strengthen. Then we saw the main cities do the same thing. And that's when we saw mums and dads come back in upper price brackets. And that's the theme we've seen for the last few months. The cities are remaining relatively strong and pulling that growth along with it. Whereabouts is that national average asking price sitting? Our average value is just over $915,000 now, so that's around about 2% up for the quarter. Still just down year on year, um, but only just over 3% down on an annual basis. So if you think back to when uh, we were at the the bottom of the um, the flattening curve, it was double-digit declines at a nationwide level mm. and far greater than that in some of the main centres too. So we really have seen a reversal of that value trend. And we've seen the most growth. Yeah, so look, leading the way um, are our big centres. So we've seen some really good growth return into Wellington, Auckland um, doing really well, Hamilton, um, and Christchurch in the last couple of months too. So um, they're leading the way in terms of the overall main centres. Outside of that, some of the, um, as you can probably appreciate, the more affordable locations, so the West Coast is still going mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, we've seen wider Dunedin do pretty well, so that's first-time buyers chasing that more affordable stock. Um, but really, it's those big urban centres that have turned around their trend, and that's what's driving the growth. The one exception at the moment, or the latest stats being Tauranga, uh, where it's just below zero, just below flat for the quarter. The key reason behind that, we think, is that a lot of first-time buyers, if I can use the term, did their buying um, sort of three, four months ago. You know, they're now enjoying their properties or, or moving into their properties, and mums and dads and investors haven't yet come back into that gap, and so they're probably riding out the Christmas break, and that market's a little bit flat at the moment, but that probably won't continue. Now, you are warning recovery could be slow into next year. James, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, crystal ball gazing. It's always a little <laughs> bit of a... Um, you know, we uh, love uh, asking <laughs> property people that. <laughs> I'm sure you do, and it's always a bit of a tricky one to move into. But look, um, what we think it means is a continuation of the sort of flat to moderate growth. Whilst I'm a glass half full kind of guy, I just don't see a big bounce back in values. So what we think it probably looks like is this this trend we're seeing now continuing into throughout summer and into sort of the um the, the back end of summer and through into winter from there. So that's probably around about two to two and a half percent quarterly growth uh, overall and some um, big performance differences though between the different markets. So don't expect it to be just one straight curve. I think we'll see a bit of performance difference. So slow to moderate growth, but look, I think that's a good thing. You know, I don't think we really want a big bounce back or take off of values again. I think at the moment, sort of a slow to moderate uh, quarterly growth or growth is probably a good outcome for New Zealand Inc. James Wilson, QV's Operations Manager. Kia ora, thank you so much for your time. No worries, thanks for having me. Now, we have stumbled across an iPhone hack that everyone needs to know about. We'll fill you in soon. In a bid to get us all up to speed hack-wise, what are your favourite phone hacks? iPhone or Android, we don't discriminate. Flick them through in an email to newsable at stuff.co.nz or you can head to the Stuff Instagram page and submit it via our stories. 
If you're at Lake Taupo and keen to get out on the water this summer, this one is for you. Earlier in the year, we talked about the clam you don't want to eat, but you do need to talk about. It's the invasive freshwater gold clam that's taking over the Waikato River. And it's this tiny shellfish that's seen Taupo Iwi Tuwharitoa ban public boating events. So here to explain more is Taupo District Mayor David Treewavers. Kia ora, David. Thank you so much for being here. Kia ora. Yeah, no problem. Pleasure. Now, this ban was put in place by local iwi. Is the threat of this clam spreading to Lake Taupo that great? Yes, well, rumour has it it's down at um, Lake Maraitai, which is, of course, about, oh, as the crow flies 30-odd gays uh, from Lake Taupo. So uh, we're getting very, very nervous. We've managed to keep Didimo out over the years, and now we've got this uh, freshwater clam, which is the uh, issue coming down the river. Did the council support this ban made by local iwi? Was, were there conversations about it before the ban was formally put in place? Yeah, absolutely. It's a real shame. You know, we are known as the events capital of, uh, of New Zealand, and uh, to be able to ban our world-famous uh, powerboat race, uh, it's pretty sad, but it is what it is. We've spent millions and millions of dollars protecting this lake, and we want to continue doing that. We have talked about this invasive freshwater gold clam before on the podcast, but can you remind us all what is so risky about it? Yeah, well, it gets into the waterways and, and uh, sticks to everything. Uh, they breed breed like the proverbial, <laughs> which is a sign for some species, but not for this one. Um, and you can't eat them. You know, they're just absolutely noxious pests, that's for sure. You know, we've got one of the cleanest lakes in the world. As I say, we've spent a lot of money protecting it. We're just going to do everything we can to keep it out. So that's why ambassadors and what have you are going to start manning the, the boat ramps and what have you and just get the communication out there to as many people. Uh, you know, we're not banning craft on the on the lake. But, you know, we want people to check uh, clean and dry, of course. We're just doing everything we can. You've mentioned people out by the boat ramps for recreational boaties. What is the message you're sending out there? Will there be any reviews around recreational boating over the summer? Well, over at Lake Barite, we're putting a, a wash station in. It's more, we don't want them to wash the boats as they're going to the topo, of course, because then it will just drain down to the lake. So, so the point is, the source uh, that needs to be, that's where the washing needs to take place. So... Um, yeah, just information comms and through the various clubs, speedboat clubs and what have you, spreading that message. And sorry, remind us, what are the events that have been put on ice? Well, the only one that I'm familiar with is the uh, Thunder on the Lake, which is a lake total powerboat uh, race. It's a series you know, that goes around New Zealand. But of course, uh, we've got Ironman, triathlons, all that sort of thing. None of those are banned. Uh, just people need to be careful and wash their suits and all that sort of thing. Toport District Mayor David Treewavers, thank you so much for taking the time to court it all. You're absolutely welcome, and uh, people are still most welcome to visit. They just need to uh, uh, wash their gear before they get here. That's all. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories, or you just prefer to listen instead, the Long Read from Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, 
Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday we talked best beach spots for the big summer break and in a moment we're talking best non-beach spots because if you're like me, you might not necessarily love sand and you prefer dry, non-sandy land <laughs> instead. And remember to never miss an episode of Newsable. Make sure you've hit that like or follow button wherever you get your potties. The holidays for many of us are now so close we can almost touch them and after the delights of Chrissy, Chrissy lunch... Chrissy Day. Hopefully the minds are now turning to spots we can visit and maybe walk a little bit of that Chrissy lunch off. Oh, amen. Now, yesterday we talked about the beaches and the rivers and it really got me thinking about my feet in the water and I'm going to pretend it's not freezing, even though it probably will be, and I'm enjoying it. But today we're welcoming back Stuff's Chief Travel News Director, Juliet Sivitson, for some tips away from the coast. Instead, Juliet, thanks so much for coming back. Thank you. Now, Juliet... For those who hate sand, like me, let's pivot away from beaches. You hate sand? We didn't I talk about that I am later. not a beach lover. Uh, let's talk less water-focused, more maybe flora and fauna. What are some of the best walks? Would it be any great walk or are there other ones that people should turn their attention to? That you don't have to book at thousand years in advance. <laughs> yeah, true. There's a reason those great walks book out so early and then the booking site crashes as soon as it's open because they are so popular. Mm. But you don't have to have an official great walk to go on a great walk. No. Um, true. <laughs> and one of my favourite regions, I think, for hiking has to be Banks Peninsula. Um, there's quite a few different walks, like short walks there, which is always quite good if you've only got you know a couple of hours or so. Um, but then you can have things like the hike up to Mount Herbert, so that's probably about a six to seven hour return hike. You can walk around the Crater Rim um, and then there's the beautiful Banks Track, which is a three-day hike through some of the quiet farmland. You can do a little bit of a kayak if you do want to get out onto the water, uh, but you're not going to find those sandy beaches, so perfect <laughs> if you don't like sand. <laughs> and that is a stunning track. And the good thing about that one is it's a lot quieter than a lot of the other great walks and the more popular walks. So definitely would recommend that. And then, of course, if if you live in Auckland in Tamaki Makoto and you've never been to Rangatoto, that is a great yes. way to spend a day. Hike up to the top of the summit. It starts off, you know, slow and kind of easy and then it really ramps up as you get to the summit. And then you're blessed with the most beautiful panoramic views across Tamaki Makoto and across the Hauraki Gulf. It's definitely, if you haven't done it, where have you been? <laughs> That's a great tip for people in Auckland. Let's talk a bit more about urban areas, maybe if a great walk seems like too much effort. Towns and cities, what are, what are some hotspots we could visit if we don't want to go to the beach and also don't want to do a walk? Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll Lazy girl summer. <laughs> Lazy girl summer, I like it. It's my kind of summer, to be honest. I talk about all these hikes, but actually... <laughs> How many have you little done? little stroll. <laughs> Concluded with a coffee and a flat white. That sounds my type of walk. Yeah. Uh, so, well, speaking of uh, easy walks, so somewhere like Christchurch, there are so many great places because the city is absolutely as flat as a pancake. It makes it really easy, particularly for families if you've got strollers or prams and things like that. And around Hagley Park, you've got this flat city with a beautiful big park right in the middle of it and the Avon River and you've got the botanical gardens and there's so many different little urban walks, short walks that you can take uh, from the park, which is really beautiful. Um, up in Auckland, again, one of my favourites is... Just around West Haven Marina, actually, yes. there's a boardwalk around there and you just get to enjoy the watching the boats, the sailing boats come in and out, the yachts, the luxury yachts. You can see the price tag on some of them. That's always quite a fun little hobby that I like to do. Uh, and just enjoy that kind of summer vibe without actually being 
at the beach. Um, and then you can obviously walk up and get up through uh, Jacob's Ladder, through St Mary's Bay and, and finish with a coffee in Ponsonby. So, like I say, that's my style of hiking. Or, or do the other way and end up at Swashbucklers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Many a night there. For some yummy, greasy food. Um, is there a hidden getaway? Oh, there's so That you many. could reveal? Oh, well, that's the other thing is I can't say too much because otherwise you're going to have to pry it all from my cold, dead hands. But, <laughs> and I called upon one of my fellow travel writers because I realised I didn't have anything too much about Wellington. And uh, Alan Granville, our Wellington travel reporter, he recommended Te Rakaua Moana Lookout Walk near Lyle Bay. And because you can watch the planes land at the airport, watch to the sea, it's a short walk, he says, bring the dog. So well, that's a little wee secret escape that I didn't know about. Oh, thank you so much for letting us pick your brains on that, Juliet. That is Stuff's Chief Travel News Director, Juliet Siverson. Now, there is nothing greater in this world, I don't think, than that feeling when you're able to bestow some information on your friends and really wow them, even if you've only just found out that information yourself. And that's exactly what I did to you today as an amateur Wells. I was bamboozled. <laughs> if you too want to be bamboozled, you can be, so long as you have an iPhone. Really sorry to all our Android listeners out there. We will work up a hack for you another day. Now, this feature, it's only actually recently become available in New Zealand, so you might have caught it, but you might have not. It's called visual lookup and it's essentially when you take a picture of something and Apple can give you more information about it actually sometimes quite useful information so you can take a picture of your cat and Apple can tell you what breed your cat is you can take a picture of a flower it'll (gasps) tell you what flower you're looking at really you've got a landmark in the background it'll tell you a bit more information about that landmark now this one this one I like you can take a picture of some food let's say a cookie and Apple will tell you the recipe to then make that cookie. Jess, you realise you're bamboozling me more than you bamboozled me already because I think you've not even got to the bit that bamboozled me in the first place. You're right, you're right. Hold on tight for the most bamboozling bit of all. Apple can decode those symbols for you that you see around and actually have no idea what they mean. So I'm talking about things like the laundry label on your clothes that supposedly yeah. tell you that you can't double dry them, but you don't know what those images across the top mean. Well, Apple does, and it will tell you exactly what they mean and how you should care for your clothes. In fact, even on your car dashboard, when you've got uh, some frightening blinking orange lights and you're like, well, that doesn't look good, but I don't know exactly how not good that looks. Apple can tell you what those mean too. This is the future. I know. This is my new favorite TV show slash game. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this forever. <laughs> Take photos of stuff and be like, did you know this is the crinunculus vernuncular? I'm assuming that's the name yes, of a plant. So smart. <laughs> I'm, hope, I'm just thinking about other things that are going to come from this. Like I'm thinking next Christmas you're going to be able to take a picture of your wrapped Christmas present and Apple's <gasps> going to be like. That's an iPhone, or that's a microwave, or whatever it is under your Christmas tree. Nah, Santa would never let that happen. I'm just going to quickly see what um, it says Bean is. Is it right? It says he's a pug. (laughs) I need to to call. Oh, Apple are getting a very stern worded email from me, the mother of a griffin. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up now so I can send that. He is a griffin, not a pug, Apple. That is newsable for today. I'm Imogen Grumpy Wells. (laughs) I'm Jessica McCarthy, and I have some questions about Bean's origin story now. He's a griffin. He's a mother of a pug. Oh my gosh, and now it says he's a cat. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support.